Welcome to Tarati Mecha Nachiomi with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Shoshana Schechter, and today we, we will be studying Sefer Yonah Paragalif. Sefer Yonah is an incredibly interesting Sefer. It's tiny, small book, I mean, not as tiny as other Sfarim in Treyasar, but it's definitely one of the smaller books in Treyasar, only four Prakim, but one of the most profound books in all of Tanakh. It's a story of a man's flight from being in the presence of Hashem. And there's so many interesting themes here. Obedience and autonomy, or rather obedience versus autonomy. Rachamim versus din, emotions and intellect, geula, and of course, tshuva. So Parak begins with the story of Yonah's attempt to run away from Hashem by getting on a ship and sailing away. How can we understand this story? We all know the story. Most of us are familiar with the story. But how do we understand it? Is he a Navi? He knows and he even states later in the Parak, if you look at Parak Pasuk Tet, that Hashem is the God of the sea and the dry lands. So what is he thinking? His actions are so perplexing. Why does he go to sleep when the ship is in danger of sinking? And then when he asks, when he's asked what can be done, he says, throw me overboard. So many interesting explanations of this. The Mechilta suggests that Yonah boarded the ship in the hopes that he would drown. And this understanding is really in sync with his repeated desire to die. Throughout the Sefer, he wants to die. He hides from Hashem, he runs away, and he feels that he should be killed by those who find him. He doesn't want to deliver the message to Ninveh. And one of the reasons is, as some of the Mepharshim say, that he knows that Ninveh, which is the capital city of Assyria, of Ashur, They'll bring destruction to Bnei Israel. We see this in Malachim Bet. We see the accounts of this. So if he saves Ninveh, then he's aiding the destruction of his own people. And that's why he has such a difficult time with it. When he's told, Od Arba'im Yom, the Ninveh Nehefechet, in 40 days, Ninveh will be destroyed. Nehefechet, rather. doesn't mean destroyed. It means turned upside down. The meaning, what does that mean? Is it destroyed? It could mean either destroyed or transformed. Turned upside down can also mean transformed. Ninveh could have gone either way. They could have been destroyed or they could have been transformed through tshuva. The latter does happen. The Medrash identifies Yonah as the child of the Tsarfatit woman who was brought back to life after he died and who was brought back to life by Eliyahu. This is a big theme in Sefer Yonah as well. The symbolic rebirth or transformation of not just Ninveh but of Yonah also. So it begins, Vayidvar Hashem el Yonah ben Amitai lemar. Hashem says to Yonah ben Amitai, saying, Kum lecha minbe ha'ir ha'gdola ukra aleha ki altara atalefanai. And get up and go to Ninve, Hashem tells him, and because there's such ra'ah before me, and what does Yonah do? Vayakam Yonah livrach tarshisha milifnei Hashem, vayered yafo, vayimtsa'aniya, ba'at tarshish, vayitenschara, vayered ba'alavo imahem tarshisha milifnei Hashem. And what does he do? He gets up to run away to Tarshish from before God. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. He goes down to Yafo. He finds a boat that's going to Tarshish. He pays for it. He goes down into the boat and runs away from Hashem. So what's interesting here is that Rashi points out so many things to talk about here. Rashi points out that in Pasuk Bet, Hashem did not give Yonah 
explicit words, actual words of Nevoah. He called upon him and told him the general nature of the assignment to announce something. But there weren't really details. It was, it was kind of confusing the message. It was also dangerous to go to enemy territory and give this message. So maybe the motivation for Yonah, part of the motivation was not just in aiding the destruction of B'nai Israel in the future, but also possible fear compounded by Yonah's larger philosophical problem. So whether there was fear or whether it was just the lack of desire to be a partner in the destruction of B'nai Israel, there's definitely a larger philosophical issue here. There's a problem that Yonah has because he doesn't like change. He believes that Ninveh isn't capable of change. Rashi continues to say that Yonah went to Tarshish specifically because if he leaves his homeland, then God's presence would be removed, and then he won't be responsible for Hashem's decree. So back to the question about how Yonah could have thought that he can escape. So the Ebenezer says he must have known that he couldn't escape Hashem, and he quotes Rav Sajagon, Ebenezer quotes Rav Sajagon, who says that since there was no explicit message, he wasn't really running away from a nevuah. He merely heard an invitation from Hashem, and the invitation from Hashem, he could have accepted or he could have refused, so he's choosing to refuse it. Evanessa also cites the Mechilta that Yonah sought to protect the honor of the son, B'nai Israel, above the honor of the father, Hashem. And he chose to disobey Hashem, the father, in order to protect the dignity of B'nai Israel, who would look bad if, if Ninveh did tshuva, because B'nai Israel are often told to do tshuva, and they don't do tshuva. Ebenezer also adds that usually barach, fleeing, is connected to the word from, mipnei. Usually you flee mipnei something or mipnei Hashem. But here Yonah runs not from Hashem, but from before Hashem, milifnei Hashem. Similar to Cain. It's interesting, this expression is when Cain, after Cain kills, kills Hevel and he's punished by Hashem, it says that Cain flees milifnei Hashem. He leaves God's presence after his punishment, after his sin. So when Yonah found himself in Hashem's presence, possibly, maybe it was too much. Maybe it was too intimate for him. So too much responsibility. And therefore, he moved away. He moved away from the presence of Hashem. It could be that his beliefs, like we discussed before, that his theological beliefs stood in the way of his relationship with Hashem. We'll see that more later on in Parak Dalid. But we have to point out here, because he's introduced as Yonah ben Amitai, Yonah the son of Amitai, the son of truth. He has a problem here. He's the son of truth, and he believes that God is not truthful. He believes that God is driven more by compassion, by rachamim, than by emes, than by truth. And he had a hard time with this theologically, that Hashem suspending justice is not truthful. It's not emestic. And that's part of the reason, that's the main reason, actually, that Yonah had difficulty with this. And that's a lesson that Yonah's going to have to learn by the end of the Sefer. We'll discuss this much more later in Parak Dalet. So if you look at the beginning of Parak Aleph, as we read before, Yonah's told, rise up, kum lech al Ebenezer points out that the nevuah begins with kum. It's proactive, get up and go. What's fascinating is, he did get up and go. Hashem says, kum lech al and what does the next Pasuk say? Vayakam Yonah livrach Tarshisha. Yonah does get up. Vayakam Yonah, he does get up. You almost feel like he rose, maybe attempting to do what Hashem said, but then turned away from Hashem. 
And it's fascinating because most Nevi'im, when Hashem calls upon them, they respond by saying, Hineni, I am here, as opposed to Yonah, who really runs away. But, he, but, but it looks like he's about to do what Hashem says when it says, Vayakam, as if he's following Hashem's command, but then almost like last minute decision, he pivots and he runs away. We also hear the same word, Vayakam, later on from the ship's captain, when they're, when in Pasuk um, Vav, when it says, Vayikrave lav rabba chovel, vayomer lo, malach nirdam, malach anirdam, kum, kra el elokecha. He says, why are you sleeping? Get up, kral elokecha, rise up and call upon your God. But there's no response. There's no action. Hashem's asking for action. The action was pivoting and turning away from Hashem. There's no action on Yonah's part. In fact, after he's asked, kum kral elokecha, by the Rava Chovel, by the captain, the sailors are the ones who act afterwards. He doesn't do anything. There's no response. And after he's told, kum get up and call out to your God. There's no response there. We don't even think he's praying. We don't even think he's calling out to Hashem. It doesn't seem that way at all. And right afterwards, we have the sailors responding and acting. And the soldiers are the one. the sailors are the ones who act and they start casting lots to determine the cause of the storm. Yonah, as far as we know, doesn't even rise up to pray. He gets up at the beginning of the parak by the kum. He gets up at the beginning of the parak, but that's followed by him sinking deeper and deeper down, as opposed to getting up. He spends the rest of the parak doing a vayered, going down, sinking deeper and deeper till he's literally at the bottom of the sea. If you look at the psukim, the word vayakam is in such contrast with vayered. So again, he starts out being asked to get up. Kumkra, Hashem says. He does get up in Pasuk Yimel, and it says vayakam yona, but instead of getting up to do what Hashem said, he rather vayakam yona livroach torshisha, and then immediately he starts to descend. So he goes vayakam yona livroach torshisha, Hashem. Instead of getting up to do what Hashem is asking him to do, he gets up and goes, you know, goes away from Hashem. Vayered, notice the word Vayered is in contrast to Vayakam. Vayered Yafo, he goes down to Yafo. Vayimsa Aniyah Ba'at Tarshish, he finds a ship that's going to Tarshish. Vayitens Chara, he gives, he pays. Vayered Ba, the second Vayered in that Pasuk, in Pasuk Gimel, he again goes down into the ship. So first he goes down to go to ya- down into Yafo. Then he goes down into the ship. And that's the second time he goes back. And then again, Tupsukim later in Pasukei, it says, what happens? When there was a storm and the, and the sailors were scared. And everyone starts praying to their God. And they're throwing things overboard in order to lighten up the ship. What does Yonah do? Again, two Yarads, another two Yarads in the same Pasuk. Two in Pasuk Gimel and then two in Pasuk Hay. They're all acting. The sailors are screaming. They're crying. They're praying. They're throwing things overboard in order to solve the, you know, to, to refrain from sinking into the ocean, to capsizing. And what does Yonah do? Yonah descends. Yonah Yarad 
he descends El into the bowels of the ship, and he goes to sleep. And Vayiradim from the word Yarad, he goes into a deep sleep. The Yarad is sinking into a deep sleep. He is descending. He is descending. Instead of getting up, what Yon is doing is he's descending. There are a lot of contrasts in Parak Aleph. We talked already about Vayakam versus Vayered. We also see contrasts between the, the sailors and Yonah. The sailors, interestingly, are called Malachim at the beginning, towards the beginning of the Parak. When we're first introduced to them, we're told in Pasukei Vayiru HaMalachim, that the Malachim, the sailors, were afraid, Vayizaku Ish El Elokav, and each one cried out to his God, and they, Vayatilu Atakelim, as we read before, and they tried to lighten up the ship so that they wouldn't capsize, Lahakel Me'alehem. And then, throughout the rest of the Perak, they become Anashim. They go from being Malachim to Anashim. We see in Pasuk Zayin, Let's cast lots. One man says to the other. And then in Pasuk Yud, The men have a great fear. And then, Now this is interesting. These sailors, again, they're called Anashim here. They knew that it was Yonah, that Yonah was running away from God. So first of all, a word about the sailors. I think they become Anashim because they're portrayed as very humane and very sensitive. You know, they start out as sailors because they're worried about their ship capsizing and they're praying to their gods while he's sleeping. And then they become Anashim when they show concern for him. There are a lot of contrasts in, in Yonah in general, I think. Uh, and it's interesting, there's a lot of contrasts between Yonah and the non-Jews of the story. Again, here are the sailors. Later on, we'll talk about this more in Parakimel, where the king of Nineveh is in contrast to Yonah as well. You know, Yonah gets a Nevoah, he runs away from Hashem, he's not taking responsibility and accountability. The king of Nineveh, as soon as he listens, hears Hashem's message, he listens to Hashem, he's accountable for his actions. Very interesting contrasts here. There's also a tremendous contrast. That's like a little bit of a negative contrast. There's a very positive contrast here also. Um, even though he's slightly flawed, Yonah knows how Hashem works. He knows his God. In contrast to the sailors and the captain of the ship who are unsure. They're not sure what's going on. They're casting lots. They're, they're doing goralot to see like who, who the lottery is going to fall on. And what's interesting is the most famous lottery is the lottery of Haman in, in Gess Esther. And that's in contrast, you know, Haman represents represents happenstance as opposed to the Jewish hashkacha. I mean, that's the whole point of, of Purim is that he's the opposite. He's diametrically opposed. Haman is diametrically opposed to what we stand for, the Jewish tenet of hashkacha. And this is what the sailors are doing. The sailors are casting lots because they're not sure. And even after the lottery falls on Yonah, Again, you see their humanity in the Anashim. They ask Yonah questions. They show care. They show compassion. But they still drew lots because they weren't sure. They were leaving the decision to happenstance of what the lottery was going to fall on. As opposed to Yonah, who knew. Yonah, it says, As we just read, the people knew that it was Yonah. And how did they know it was Yonah? Because Yonah told them in Pasuk Yudbet, when Yonah says to them, Pick me up and throw me into the water. And then the water will, 
will um will lessen the storm will stop why because i know that it's my fault in contrast to the captain who wasn't sure and even back in pasuk vav the, in Pasuk Vav, when the Rabbah Chovel, the captain says, Why are you sleeping? Ulai, that word Ulai means, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the God will be kind to us and we won't die. And by the way, the king of Nineveh also says Ulai later in Perik, in Perik Gimel, Pasuk Tet. We see also he's not sure, you know, maybe we'll be able to do tshuva. The irony here. Again, the contrast of Yonah knowing his God as opposed to casting lots. He knows it's him. I mean, he knows it with a certain ambivalence also, which is, by the way, again, contrast to the sailors' humanity. The sailors seem to fear for their lives and care about Yonah's life, and Yonah seems so ambivalent about his life and everybody else's life. Um, and, but the irony here is that while Yonah says, ani, he knows that it's him, and he thinks he knows exactly what God wants, what does he think God wants? He thinks that God wants him dead. But that's not true. God doesn't want him dead. God wants a live Navi to learn a lesson and to bring the Navur that he asked him to do. So that's how the parak ends. All these contrasts, the Vayakam, Vayered, the contrast between the Malachim, the, the sailors, and also Yonah. And it ends with this, again, humanity of these malachim that have turned into anashim. anashim that after they pick him up and they throw him overboard as per his request, and the sea quiets down from its anger. Notice that word also, from its anger. Clearly it's coming from God. We're giving the sea like a human emotion because it's clearly coming from God. And the, um, the, the sailors had a tremendous, you know, Yirav Hashem had the fear of God at that point, and they saw the hand of Hashem. This was the first time that they saw it very clearly, as clearly as Yonah understood it, and they brought sacrifices and they brought Mizbachot um, to God. And that's how Perak that's how Perak Aleph ends. That Yonah is thrown overboard and the sea quiets down. Thank you for studying together. Lazecha Nishmat Riva Schwab Rifka Bat Alexander Sender.